Well, good evening and welcome to Queer News Tonight. This is the world's first and only LGBTQ plus daily evening television news. We're broadcasting live and then available on demand. And we're available on all smart televisions, including Roku, Apple Television, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, YouTube, and Facebook. It's time to Queer Up the News. It's Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. We are live and literally out of the closet and into the headlines. So many of your important stories we're going to tell this evening on Queer News Tonight. This is the world's first live daily LGBTQ evening news show, literally out of the closet and into the headlines on Queer News Tonight with Al Ferguson. I'm your anchor at Queer News Tonight, Al Ferguson. This evening, we bring you the news of and a perspective representing the LGBTQ plus community from South Florida, America, and across our planet. This is the world's first and only unedited live LGBTQ plus evening news show. Whatever happens, unique in LGBTQ plus news, you will see it and hear it. Happening Out Television Network is a 501c3 nonprofit media platform in the television and radio models of PBS and NPR, but designed for our LGBTQ plus community. We are part of one of the largest LGBTQ plus media companies in America, Hotspots Magazine and Happening Out Television Network. Our magazine is celebrating 37 years of the LGBTQ plus experience and our television news, talk and entertainment shows support our mission to educate the LGBTQ plus and broader community. Well, let's welcome anchor Dino Mascara. He joined the Miami Gay and Lesbian Film Festival in the 90s and now serves on the Outshine Film Festival Board of Directors. He is now the screening committee chairman, selecting films for one of America's most important LGBTQ plus film festivals. Welcome, Dino. Thank you, Al. Uh, and about the film festival, let me tell you this uh, Friday, we are having a film uh, at 7 p.m. at the Bell Cosper Cinema at the University of Miami. It's called Close and it's from Belgium. It's one of the front runners for the best international film at the um, Oscars this year. Fantastic story, very, um, um, it's very human and very uh, deep uh, for, the, for the youth, uh, the gay youth. So I highly recommend it outshinefilm.com. So with that being said, let's welcome John Hayden, a journalist of, for 28 years. He now works for several outlets, including South Florida Gate News as a reporter and community editor, covering politics, entertainment, and local events directly impacting the LGBTQ plus community. John's interview everyone from presidents to Oscar winners and has been and been on more red carpets that he can count. After tonight's show, he's doing the chef tasting menu along John Silver's. Welcome, John. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to get my hands on some hush puppies. Now, let's welcome anchor Dale Stein. With a background in music and the arts, he is a well-known photographer, famous for his photog photographs of internationally acclaimed DJs, drag personas, and other entertainers, including our very own Faye What, who somehow has the night off. He is presently the director of music ministry at Unity on the Bay, as well as moderator of South Florida's largest LGBTQ plus Facebook group, Miami Gay List, which can be found on Instagram as at Gay List Official. And if it's not official, it's just a list of gays, and the Proud Boys are already compiling that. 
An activist with multiple LGBTQ plus organizations, Dale is also currently vice chair of Miami Beach's Human Rights Committee. Good evening, Dale. Thank you, John. So in this case, it would be more like Faye Ware. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and just as a little, uh, I say Faye who? <laughs> um, and just as a little teaser, uh, Faye and I did a, a new photo shoot just a couple weeks ago. So a nude. No, no. Wow. No. Wow. All right. Which one was nude? You or her? We all. Oh, it was in. You know, we did it in a nudist colony. So, no. Uh, so just. Uh, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> now, these people really commandeer and usurp your entire you know, soundbite. Thank you. And, you know, I, mean, I have two words for all of you. Um, <laughs> let's welcome anchor Greg Shapiro, an inductee into the Chicago LGBT Hall of Fame. Greg is the author of eight books, including his latest, Fear of Muses. An entertainment journalist whose celebrity interviews and music reviews run in a variety of regional LGBTQ plus and mainstream publications and websites. His movie, movie review column called Screen Saver can be found in South Florida Gay News, San Francisco's Bay Area Reporter, RottenTomatoes.com, and more. Good evening, Greg. Good evening, good evening, good evening. We are the reporters for Queer News Tonight. And this evening, we begin with the queer headlines. The LGBTQ plus community in South Florida across America is diverse. Our community across the world is vast. And here are the bullet points of the Queer News for today, Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. Happy National Winnie the Pooh Day from Queer News Tonight's resident, Eeyore. Oh, got it. All right, well, let's begin by querying up trans rights. Trans Miss Universe owner gives a powerful speech at pageant turning pain into power. It has been 70 years that Miss Universe organization ran by men, but now Tom is up. Is the moment really for women to take the lead. Welcome to the new era of the global women's empowerment platform. Welcome to the Miss Universe organization. From now on, it's going to be ran by women, owned by trans women, for all women. For all women, really, around the world to celebrate the power of feminism. Diverse cultures, social inclusion, gender equality, creativity, the force for good, and of course, the beauty of humanity. Very powerful. The 71st Miss Universe pageant concluded on Saturday in New Orleans with the current Miss USA, Arbani Gabriel, taking the crown. This iconic Miss Universe pageant featured some of the most beautiful women from all over the world. A total of 84 contestants gathered in New Orleans to compete for the coveted title of Miss Universe 2023. Harnaz Sandhu of India took home the crown last year. The women compete in three events, swimsuit, evening gown, and a personality interview. The highlight for many was Jock Raja Tabitz, and I apologize for mispronouncing it, empowering speech 
her first since taking over the organization in 2022, in which she ushered in a new era. The owner of the Miss Universe franchise, Anne, as she's called, explained how she turned pain into power at the annual pageant. She purchased the Miss Universe franchise, which at one point was co-owned by Donald Trump for $20 million in 2022 and reported at Queer News Tonight. The Thai businesswoman is also the CEO of JKN Global Group and is the founder and director of Life Inspired for Transsexual Foundation, a charity organization that advocates for transgender rights in Thailand. She is also one of the richest trans people on earth. Gabriel, the pageant's winner, said that she would demonstrate how inclusive Miss Universe is by being a transformational leader. You know, it's, it's inspirational to me because in, in America, uh, she brings this pageant, the first pageant she does, to the United States, which is important because frequently the pageant did not come to the United mm. States uh, or was not done in the U.S. And the first pageant uh, in her ownership of Miss Universe is done in New Orleans. Uh, it represents in voice in her leadership as being a trans woman and also in representation of her speech on stage that we take Miss Universe back and it's going to be run for and by women. And it's a very feminist message uh, coming from a trans woman, which I think is beautiful. You contrast that to what is going on in Louisiana and in many Southern states, you contrast that to the former owner of the Miss USA and Miss Universe pageant, Donald Trump, and what uh, goes on in next door neighbors in our own state of Florida. Um, it is a powerful moment, a powerful message, which I, I just think is, honestly, I just think is beautiful. There are many things about uh, the, the, the new format that she basically, she just bought it like two months ago, not long ago, actually. New crown, the whole jury were, were women for the first time, which is very significant. Um, there's some controversy about the winner. I'm biased. I'm going to admit it. I think Wait, Venezuela. is there this little country in South America <laughs> yeah, called Venezuela? Venezuela should have won. <laughs> you can ask anyone, but every Latino will tell you, you know, Colombia. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> no, but I did hear the most I've heard is that Venezuela. Everybody says Venezuela. Venezuela was That's the first the most yeah. I've heard. Yeah, but, but you do remember you're in the United right. States of America. I do. And I, I do. I also acknowledge that the the pageant is in the U.S. She's going to live in the U.S. for the whole year. Still, the, the pageant, even though the owner is Thai, is an American pageant. Just not forget that. Mm -hmm. But I do admit it's a big step that she took over, that she bought it. Yeah. And, and uh, because the Miss Universe had issues with, you know, trans participants. Spain sent the first trans a miss uh, to Miss Universe uh, five years ago. And there was a big scandal yeah. behind that. Not everybody was behind that. Yeah. She was beautiful. She did very well. And even today, Miss uh, Senorita Mexico or Miss Mex Mexico, they have said that the organizer that they don't recognize, they don't, they don't support trans participants. So there's a lot of work to be done. I think, and this is something that is falling out of, out of grace uh, around the world. You know, pageants and beauty pageants, I understand, but uh, there is a lot of support outside of the U.S. In Latin America, particularly, 
And in Asia, a lot of countries, particularly Philippines and Thailand and, and some others, Indonesia, that are very much into the pageant. Yeah, yeah. Dino, I'm, I'm curious before uh, hearing other comments uh, to the moment uh, of her speech, which is the focus of our news story, um, pageants have fallen um, out of favor, mm -hmm. uh, you say. Um, if they have fall, if that is true, I think one of the leading region uh, reasons is because uh, the masculinity of objectifying women in this way, once upon a time, uh, was pretty commonplace. With changes like all women being the judges and um, uh, a trans woman who is a woman, trans women are women. Period. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, that it might change the perspective of a pageant like this, that it can be a scholarship opportunity uh, and it's not um, objectively or in a toxic way something for men to objectify women. Does this help uh, I, in its changes? I come from a country that reveres these pageants. I mean, Miss mm -hmm. Venezuela is basically the Super Bowl <laughs> of, of the country where everything stops. A Miss Venezuela that wins Miss Universe or gets so far, you know, like this one did, yeah. Amanda Dudamel this year, is like a national hero. Uh, I mean, and many of them go into do big things. The candidate that lost to Hugo Chavez when he ran for president was Miss Universe. You, you guys wow. knew that? No, Irene Saez. <laughs> she won Miss Universe in 1981. <gasps> She competed against him. She was the governor of a state in the country and, and a major in a, in a district in Caracas. She did wonderful. She lives here in Miami nowadays. And she was not just beautiful, she was smart. She was career driven. She went really far. Unfortunately, she lost to him and then everything changed. But there were opportunities for these women besides TV and modeling and other stuff. But she, she did great things for Venezuela and everybody recognizes that. Is that the same in other countries around the world? Probably not. Mm. But Venezuela reveres these, right. these uh, candidates. It's, it's very different mm. down there. I'm not saying that, you know, there may, there may be th certain things about the pageant that are a little too superficial. Yes, of course they are, but. Mm. But I think to your point, I mean, to me, this is taking ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the way we do it, the, the way we'd have done, like with the word queer or whatever. I mean, it's a bigger, grander thing, maybe, or maybe it's more similar than I'm intimating. But it's taking ownership of that, um, of that, making it uh, superficial. It's taking it and making, embracing it, and saying, mm -hmm. "This is ours, and we're going to make it what we want it to be." As opposed to what you've let it be or what it's been up to this point. Do you think of this as a big moment? Uh, in the trans community. Uh, her speech on Saturday Huge, night, I think. Uh, the trans community just said, oh my goodness, what we're watching at this moment. Do you, do you think that that was their reaction? I asked because I didn't see a lot. I think it's response. important, but it's not really going to resonate beyond the trans community. But some, at, this, at this state that we're in right now, just seeing yourself represented in this is, like, may be enough, but it's just not... Like Jeopardy. It's not just the... It's not just the hammer that would come down and have resonated even as, as recently as 10 or 15 years ago. I, what is she, like one of the richest women? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's but amazing. that is amazing. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, is that the pageants in general, from my opinion, at least in America, right. aren't a cultural touchstone anymore like they used to be. So I think that's going to blunt the impact mm. that this has. But I'm still, 
happy for. And if pageants are going to survive in some form, then it's this type of, of transformation, this type of, of mm -hmm. feminism that's going to help write a new chapter or even a whole new volume for pageants. I do think it will do it for, for trans candidates. I, I do think that it will change things in the future for other countries, not just Spain. There will be other countries now that will consider sending their, you know, participants that are trans to the Miss Universe pageant. We'll see. At least put them on equal footing. To right. Eat. Exactly right. It's recognition. Absolutely. And now we queer up South Florida gay news. Why pronouns matter and how we can get them right. He, him, she, her, they, them. A big deal is constantly being made over these little words in this week's SFGN online now and on stands tomorrow. My colleague Denise Royal looks at the problems people have with pronouns and an initiative to get them right. The forum, My Pronouns Are, will be held tomorrow at Victory Black Box Theater at 1409 Northwest Cistrunk Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale. Pronouns, pronouns aren't something most people will ever have to think about, but being misgendered is a gut punch day after day, multiple times a day. Some people do it viciously. Many people, including myself, do it accidentally. But we're trying to learn. The event is being put on by Ujima Men's Collective Brothers Project. Ujima's executive director, Lorenzo Robertson, told SFGN, quote, I feel the use of pronouns is so misunderstood because we have been taught a binary existence and experience. We now live in an environment where many people are understanding they do not have to ascribe to the binary paradigm of the past. We have options and opportunities to discover and explore other ways to express who we are as a person, regardless of their gender, end quote. The forum is at seven o'clock tomorrow night, and you can read more on SFGN online now and on stands tomorrow. And it's heartening to see because what's coming out of Tallahassee is completely different than what's coming out of Broward County and South to a greater extent, South Florida in general. Last year, the Broward Sheriff's Office had a community meeting in Wilton Manor. One of the primary com topics of conversation was pronouns and why they matter. Because we all know that many are, people are misgendered, uh, trans are more likely to be victims of crime, and people don't even know that their loved ones have been hurt because uh, they're dead named and, and things like this. It's a very important thing. It seems small, like I say, the words are small, but the impact of using them correctly is very important. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was, you know, this is an interesting topic to me. Also, I was just having a conversation with my sister-in-law, who lives in a small city and small town in North Carolina, and uh, she does uh, lead some girl groups for her church and various things in the community. She's very involved, and these are many of the girls are teenagers, and they are identifying. She's used to. She's accustomed to non-binary and they, he, she, them, et cetera, et cetera. But now she's hearing. She's trying to understand how to um, embrace people identifying as trees and rocks. And so she's getting a whole new thing happening now. So she, had a, she called me and had a conversation. She said, you know, this is, this is beyond just pronouns. I mean, I know I'm expanding the conversation, but it just it reminds me that she, we just had this conversation just last week. How am I to incorporate this? How does this person want to be identified? It, tree, rock. It's, it's, I mean, I understand pronouns, but I mean, the conversation is expanding, and I don't know where that's going to lead us, but I find it very interesting. I think it should be 
And it is, it's good that it's happening in the gay community as well. We need to educate ourselves. It's just not a given that because we're gay, mm -hmm. we immediately start using pronouns correctly. We don't. And I, I put myself in the same situation. Yeah, and we are not, we're not doing a proper, you know, work to, you know, to learn this. And it's important. We need to be respectful of others. Well, I think this forum is a really good idea because it gives people the opportunity to hear from uh, directly from the people in the community who are living this experience and being misgendered on a regular basis, and this can now somehow be rectified. You know, you know, it's funny to me, um, for me personally, it's just a personal consumption. The pronouns are not that big of a deal. I really don't think that they're that big of a deal. The one thing that I do think in this conversation that is really important and is a big deal is that the pronouns become important to the person that consumes the representation of the pronoun. And what that means is if the pronoun is important to the person and how they would like to be referred and reflected, then we should give them the respect to honor their request. And what we see, I think, often in our fight on pronouns is again, and it's an, it's, it, it seems to be an age-old conversation that I continue to talk about of older privileged white men, and maybe gay men too, um, is that we don't like the conversation of pronouns. And I think it's very seated in the fact that we don't want to give you respect. Mm -hmm. We don't want to give the gay community respect. We don't want to give women respect. We don't want to give the trans community respect. We don't want to respect you. And if that is true, and I very frequently think that, mm. that is the real underlying argument to the use of pronouns, then we understand why they don't like to do it. And they're just guising up the entire argument and debate over a deflection of what the real issue is. I don't want to because I don't respect you. Do you think it's the same way that men resisted when women wanted to be called Ms as opposed to Miss? I think it's exactly Ms. the same. And again, it's in disrespect of, of women. It's yeah. disrespect. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, if somebody wants to be referred to how they want to refer to, who is it for mm -hmm. me to say like, you can't? Right. It's not about me. It's about the person that. But it is a process of learning, and and, and, and it's an educational yeah. process completely. And unfortunately, I listened last night just on the way home from the show. I listened to a beautiful NPR conversation about baby boomers, and there's a new book out called uh, OK Boomer, and basically how you have never given me respect uh, in in my life. It was a bullseye because the observation is the older an American is, the whiter you are, uh, the less diverse you are. You look at Gen Zers, the, the number of um, multicultural diversity in Gen Z is five times that of baby boomers. And, and clearly it's important to them in embracement, diversity, respect, baby boomers are this face over and over and over again and we don't want to mm -hmm. and we don't feel like we need to respect well, you some and people may not but i mean uh, right and and, and and i mean the diversity is what is is exquisite and beautiful and, yeah. and humans it's I, this is the, this is the heart of how you explain a donald trump uh and 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 his role in america okay let's now queer up the worldview Israel's new government says we are not going to cancel gay pride. It's been less than three weeks since Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu formed the most 
right-wing and religious government in Israel history, but he has already faced mounting criticism from within Israel and the diaspora. In the last week, tens of thousands gathered to protest against the government's proposal to overhaul the judicial system, which critics say threaten Israel's democracy. President Isaac Herzog also voiced his concerns. He said, quote, we are in the grip of a profound disagreement that is tearing our nation apart. This conflict worries me deeply and it worries many across Israel and the Jewish diaspora, end of quote. Against the backdrop of such changes, the LGBTQ plus community of Israel is also worried. According to National Security Minister it Itamar Ben-Gavir, advisor Yishai Fleischer, quote, no one wants to be homophobic or racist. We want to protect Jews in the land of Israel. Ben-Gavir doesn't want to cut out secular people or LGBTQ plus people. We seek to be a responsible government. Gay pride may not be everyone's cup of tea, but it is not our agenda to cancel it. We want to defend all Israelis, no matter who, but also to defend those Israelis that don't want to see secular coercion or to deprive those who believe in their traditional Torah tradition. And that's what's kept the Jewish people alive all these years." End of quote. This is, uh, um, you know, populism. It's the is the populism, and and it exists in in Israel as well. I mean, it's it, again, you know, probably Netanyahu doesn't voice that right now, but he he like Bolsonaro is very much a Trump uh, uh, look-alike, mm -hmm. act-alike, and I would not be surprised if now that he takes again government, he goes again for that. He has, I don't know why they keep going back to Netanyahu. This is like the fourth six, or sixth time. Sixth term. Right, so they can form coalition and then he keeps coming back and then brings back all these very radical right-wingers to mm. government in Israel. And again, our community and many other communities within Israel, you know, like the, the minorities, the, the, the Ethiopians and, and, and all, all communities that have been already, they have voiced their, you know, intention to go after them. So this is populism and it's plain simple and, uh, is, is at risk. So I, I think that this is the time with American Jews and, you know, exercise their, their voice and power and then just bring up our, you know, concern about this. I, th I think that I will take Netanyahu or his lackeys at their word because the type of, he doesn't trade Israel politics. And first off, the Knesset, their Congress is very small. It's only like 130 some seats. And this is like their fifth election in like three or four years because they just can't get a coalition uh, to stick together. But the fear that politics in Israel trades on is a religious fear of your neighbor because they are surrounded, of course, by right, Egypt course. and Syria and Lebanon. And so I, I really think that destroying the gays is at the bottom of their list because they, they, they trade on the fear of their neighbors. And the fact is, um, you know, their moderates, their purple seats um, swing very often left and right. And remember, one of the reasons the dog whistle that they're they're blowing is uh, the extremist clerics in uh, in Israel are saying we don't want 
a gay pride to be authorized. We don't want it in public. We don't. We want gay pride to be canceled, whether it be Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. We want it be canceled, and that's what the president is really addressing: is whether right. or not that's going to happen. Never mind that it brings in huge amounts of revenue. Yeah, um, um, sure. I mean, it's enormous. And Netanyahu does have sort of a history of LGBT support. You know, I can't even believe I'm saying that, but there is some that. But there is that idea that that you know, there's ex that extremism is something that we're getting a little taste of here that religious a little <laughs> and it's something we should be aware of you know uh, a couple of points before we move on that i think are important um uh, israel does not mean the american jewish community they're two different communities the Ameri let's not forget and i i know we would i i think likely we would agree with my observation the american jewish community has been among the most supportive politically and in voice communities uh, religious communities in America for the LGBTQ community yeah. since the Stonewall riots in 1969. So what we're watching in Israel is not the American Jewish community because we have unparalleled support in that community. The other thing that I think is important um, is uh, not to wag a finger or a tongue to President Herzog in Israel, but um, uh, diversity and tolerance is something that Israel would want to remind itself over and over and over again. Because Israel's place in the world has been an uphill slog and fight every step of the way. Precarious. And they're reason, precarious. And the reason why uh, the American Jewish community supports the LGBTQ community is they understand the plight we've gone through. Mm -hmm. The LGBTQ community understands the plight Israel has gone through. And now you have the these very extremist right-wingers saying, but we don't need that anymore. Caution, very great caution to you because you've lived on the diversity embracement. Mm -hmm. And the last thing that I want to make a connection on in Netanyahu's problem, uh, I am no fan of, of Netanyahu, but he is also not Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Netanyahu is, a, is one who has tried to tamper this anti-LGBT thing going on in, in Israel. But the one thing that I at least give him credit for in terms of voice, um, uh, the Netanyahu is uh, Speaker McCarthy, because they really are in the same plight. McCarthy could not get elected Speaker. It took 15 votes to get elected speaker. And ultimately, we watched the debacle in our US House of Representatives, which is exactly the debacle that went on for Netanyahu in Israel. You have to ultimately subside to the radical crazy. It exists in Israel. And to get the government formed, he had to accept them. Just like McCarthy, brings in Marjorie DJ, Taylor yeah. Greene and Bobert and Matt Gates. Mm -hmm. You bring the they're on committees in. now. They're on the they're on the super committee. Exactly. And it was the only way the government could be formed in the House of Representatives. If for no other reason I have some heartfelt sympathy for Netanyahu <laughs> because we watched it in America. Mm. Now make sure you do the right thing. Mm. Make sure. Well so next let's queer up courts. Major Supreme Court case of trans asylum over imminent danger. Yesterday, the Supreme Court heard the appeal of a 33-year-old transgender woman from Guatemala who is seeking asylum in her case in a case her attorney calls life or death. 
Estrella Santos Zacarias, whose claims of gender violence and discrimination were rejected by American immigration officials, was deported to Mexico in 2019, where she has faced ongoing health and safety challenges, according to a sworn affidavit from her reviewed, from her reviewed by ABC News. As per her affidavit, most recently, she was beaten at a bus stop by three people, and months prior, she was bludgeoned unconscious at her workplace. Her legal team is seeking a federal court review of an immigration judge's ruling that she had not demonstrated adequate evidence of likely future persecution and therefore didn't qualify for asylum. The Biden administration argues in court documents that federal judges shouldn't get involved in the case, primarily because Santos Zacarias failed to exhaust other administrative appeals available to her at the time. Immigration authorities also say they should generally have broad discretion over their decisions free from the possibility of unnecessary judicial interference. While, Zacar uh, while Santos Zacarias' case hinges on technical arguments over jurisdiction and immigration procedure, its outcome could have significant implications for thousands of asylum seekers hmm. hoping to challenge removal orders in court. I'm perplexed by several components of this case. I don't quite understand why the Biden is, the administration is pulling back and not supporting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are many parts of it I don't understand, but I don't understand why the Biden administration is not supporting her um, her asylum. Okay, well, let me go into the weeds here with all of us real quick. So everybody thinks in America thinks there are two sets of courts. There's the federal courts, and then there's the courts in your state. But there's also essentially a third layer of judiciary that's not officially judiciary, and that's administrative courts. And there's, you know, FBI, uh, or not FBI, I'm social, social Security administrative courts. There's um, Child Protective Services in her uh, uh these types of courts. And basically what and what I'm reading from this says that immigration authorities say they should have generally broad discretion over decisions free from the possibility of unnecessary judicial interference. So what they're saying is, give us a free hand. We'll, t we'll follow the rules or whatever's come down from Washington, but we, we want to rule out the possibility of the courts coming in and stepping on us. And that is basically setting up little fiefdoms all along the border. So any, um, idiot who's in charge of his particular office can throw people back essentially at will. Um, there's more to it, but that's essentially what this comes down to. So the uh, U.S. is trying to avoid a precedent. While I'm sure the Biden administration supports this particular case in general, they're trying to, this would, depending on how this is ruled, could be in a complete sea change in how power is distributed uh, in this. So uh, you're saying along the board. Biden administration is making a generalization kind of decision that from from what i've read of this article and several other things that i read on it yeah but it's is, not this. article 42 it got nothing to do with that I, uh, no this is really a power struggle power. this is a power struggle between um uh ice or dhs or whoever sheriff on the border versus um the court's ability to come in and supervise and say no you can't do this or yes you can do this you, you see what what um concerns me about this is that even though she's from Guatemala mm -hmm. and she probably was not sent back to Guatemala, she was sent back to Mexico, Mexico yeah. where a lot of these people that are not able to cross the border are basically being retained uh, for years, some of them. Mm -hmm. And in Mexico, a country that, you know, sometimes we applaud because they have, you know, even uh, gay marriage is not uh, legal 
this continues to happen, especially to trans uh, in, in Mexico, all over Mexico, where they kill them and they're not protected. So this should be taken into consideration when you deny asylum, at least the claim of political asylum to somebody like her. So I just don't understand. She goes back to Mexico and then she gets attacked in Mexico, not in right, Guatemala. Wasn't that story last night about the gay couple that was sprayed with the holy water yeah. by the woman? Yeah, that was in Mexico, in right. Toluca. Right. Yeah, in Mexico, right. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to queer up entertainment. The new show, For the Love of Dilts, features Mr. Gay World USA, Tony Ardolino, and Faye Watt show guest, Alex Ticas. Sexy. Fun, ready to show you a good time. They're himbos. Confident, mature, ready to show you the ropes. They're daddies. Welcome to For the Love of Dills. An epic romance is about to unfold as two groups of singles hunt for love. He's my hope. This fine ass man is literally everything I'm looking for. I would love to see what's underneath the shorts. <laughs> I'm just looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah. Oh, and did we mention it's hosted by Stormy Daniels? Now I'm gonna put my hand in my box and see who is going home. At the end of this emotional journey, only one couple will be voted most likely to succeed and win a $10,000 investment into their relationship. And I know one day, like, I'm gonna find that guy. I know, like, I'm ready to be in a relationship and <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you go with older guys normally or what's I, your... I do. <laughs> no, not the forehead kiss. We start with the forehead. Oh, okay. Growing up as a gay kid, you know, you don't see two princes falling in love. Maybe my fairy tale doesn't look like the cliche fairy tales that I've been reading, but everyone deserves to live happily ever after. I've kind of been someone who hasn't ever really felt embraced by the queer community because I didn't fit into the box. I am um, grateful just for this, regardless of like, if I find someone or not. But. There's always a but. Especially in this house. I have some bad news. It won't be as easy as it sounds. Because in the Dilf Mansion, things get real. Bitch, if you gonna be shady, like, just do I get back. I need to be shady. What the f just happened? I'm done, dude. I wish you all the best. Bobby's like crying in the bedroom. What you said, it wasn't really cool. You are baby daddy of the season. Just when you thought you knew how dating shows worked. What? what? This isn't any love story. This is for the love of Dilfs. A new queer dating show has arrived. Get ready to be obsessed. The new show, produced by OutTV and viewable on Apple TV and Roku, for the love of Dilfs, pairs up two groups of gay men, daddies and himbos as they compete to find love. Oh, and a cat prize, of course. Only one couple will be voted to be most likely to succeed and win a $10,000 prize as an investment in their future relationship. Presiding over all the dramas is Stormy Daniels. Yes, THE Stormy Daniels, who will live in the house with the contestants 
and serve not just as MC, but also as a relationship advisor. Because of course, when you put a group of daddies and himbos in one house, you know there's gonna be chaos. These men entered the house, not just for a sexy time, but perhaps to discover real love and some just might find it. The series will follow them through the show and explore the participants' dynamics. It's also filled with laughs and explores the single's genuine emotions from first kisses to blistering breakups. We can't wait to see how it all turns out. What excites us more is that it features Mr. Gay World USA, Tony Ardolino, and adult performer Alex Tikas, who will appear on the Faye What Show on January 30th, hmm. the day before, for the Love of Dilfs premieres. Hmm. Wait, how is this entertaining? <laughs> but, but seriously, let's hope that the Dilfs cast members will have nicer things to say about their experience than, as we recall from yesterday, Dorian Renaud yeah. from MTV's uh, Real uh, Friends of WeHo had to say about his experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I just think this, there's real love that's going to happen here. I, um, oh, I'm not a, I mean, I'm not a fan of Bachelor or Bachelorette. That you're not going to watch every second of this. Oh, oh, I will because if, well, I may, you've called me jaded before, but my God, this is renewing my, this is renewing my faith in real love. And I just, I cannot. Oh God, I just can't wait. But based on the trailer, it didn't look overly scripted, but who knows? I mean, you know. Are these uh, sugar daddies? No. Well, I mean, is that part that's of the, the implication? Deal? It, well, just daddies. It didn't say sugar daddies. It doesn't say right, sugar daddies. Wait, right? are you only interested if they're sugar? <laughs> no, right, right. Because I could see the, the are you applying a for better the, show there. Are you applying for the second sugar season? Daddy. Applying for the second season yeah. already? As a, as a daddy or the, as, a, the as, a, as a himbo? The sugar daddy in the show is Stormy Daniels because yeah. after what she did with her attorney, oh. she's doing uh, okay. Right, 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 right. You know, I, I I just have to tell you, we, uh, you know, Greg makes the joke. Last night we reported uh, a second story on the real housewives of weho it, it, it that's what it was called right the real housewives yeah, or real uh, real, uh, friends, real friends, friends, friends housewives friends, friends. andy cohen's uh, on the line for you right the trademark lawsuit right. <laughs> <laughs> okay a little bit of a little bit of B. um real housewives of weho real friends of weho all right thank you all right so uh the real housewives of uh weho is a situation <laughs> where it's uh it's ridiculous and embarrassing because mtv in a big budget fashion has created a disaster of jersey shore in west hollywood or siesta key in west hollywood i'm from siesta key uh mtv has created a disaster here uh under the banner of reality television i applaud out tv for doing this i just really i honestly do because while we might not uh, think it's the best television in the world, we deserve in our community the exact same kind of dating show shows that are out there uh, that are wildly successful and people enjoy watching it. Um, you know, they're getting ready to do. I just saw it, and the and the and the guy's pretty cute. They're doing the hundred and thirty seventh season of The Bachelor on ABC, <laughs> and everybody's gonna love it. And this is that, and it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek of that, and bring it on. Because I think OutTV should be applauded for doing something like this, because <laughs> we want to be a part of the storyline. I am totally serious. First, okay. congratulations OutTV, I think you did a really brilliant thing here. 
and DILFs. Uh, come on, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's really yeah, smart. It's, it's just cute. It's total kitsch. It's, it's kitsch, but and, it's... And, and that, and they're in on the joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I want to say is about Tony Ardolino. Uh, he is cute as all get out. Now, whether this love story uh, with Alex uh, Tikas is true or not, I don't really care. It'll be fun to watch. And Tony Ardolinos, uh, Ardolino, sorry, uh, has been, you know, we broadcast him when he competed for Mr. Uh, Gay uh, World USA, and he competed in South Africa. I've interviewed him many times. He's, he's He rode in our Stonewall Pride Parade here in Wilton Manors. Um, I I love that he is part of it and, and this storyline. I'm going to watch every minute of it with a with a box of popcorn. And a, and a poppers and a lube. Or maybe a jar of dilf pickle. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be I, I'm gonna be just like uh, in RuPaul drag race days. I'm gonna be texting John and go, John, can you believe that? It's gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be so much fun. And one last thing. Alex is getting in bed with Faye what? He's interviewing um, on the Faye Watch Show January 30th. And uh, Tony, oh, I'm so sorry, because I hope it's not real, uh, because she's going to steal your man away. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about uh, DILFs. Uh, I assure you we're going to be talking Dilftos. about it. Right? Yeah. DILFTOS. Right. Let's hope he does better than Prince Charming. Just yeah. say that. So, <laughs> next we are proud of our special partnership with Sunshine Cathedral, the world's largest queer church here in Fort Lauderdale. Supporting that partnership, we are broadcasting from our permanent set here at Sunshine Cathedral at the Happening Out Television Studios. We broadcast Sunshine Cathedral Sunday International Service at 10:30 a.m. every week. I'm Gabe Salazar, Artistic Director of the Gay Men's Chorus of South Florida, and Sunshine Cathedral is my queer church. That is today's news for the LGBTQ community on the world's first and only daily LGBTQ evening news show. If our community is important to you, then share this news with your friends and family. Are you, like most of America, part of our very large television audience watching this live LGBTQ news broadcast right now? on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire, dramatic pause, TV. <laughs> Queer News Tonight is the only live LGBTQ plus digital television show in the world that is out of the closet and into the headlines. We need your support. If our community is to grow, we must tell our stories and bring them to the attention of the world. This is the only place in the world that tells these types of LGBTQ plus stories in motion and sound. That is the passion of Hotspots Magazine, Happening Out Television Network, and Queer News Tonight. I'm your anchor, Al Ferguson, and on behalf of these LGBTQ plus reporters, the anchors at Queer News Tonight, including Dino Mascara, John Hayden, 
Dale Stein, and Greg Shapiro. We will see you daily at 8 p.m. And to our LGBTQ plus world, we wish you good, good night. night.